0: Welcome once again to Voice of Reason Radio, your host, Chris Honholz, joining you on this 9th of January, 2024. And yes, I say host, our good friend Rich cannot be with you today, so it's not the plural. It is got fuzz up there. Uh, it's not the plural of hosts. It's, uh, unfortunately, they've been dealing with some weather stuff down there in Mississippi. And so when that happens, the cellular network he depends on, uh, Goes for fritz <laughs> at least sometimes. Uh, and unfortunately, he doesn't have hardline internet. I think I've mentioned that before on the show. And uh, we can thank AT&T for that. AT&T was our nemesis when we started this program. And it continues to be long after. So it's very unfortunate that he cannot be here. But we are grateful to have you as always. <clears throat> Excuse me. You'll have to bear with me a little bit today, folks. I'm trying to do something a little bit different with this program. I'm actually trying to record this as both audio and video podcast, so that we have something a little bit more to include upon our our YouTube channel. We've done a couple of short podcast or short webisode type uh, episodes in the past. Uh, even transferred one of those to audio, so the the podcast listeners can kind of see what we're doing. Well, hear what we're doing. I see. So I'm doing this on both uh, OBS, which is our uh, video recording software, and as an audio. But that means there are things that I miss and forget and click on the wrong things. And this is perhaps the fourth or fifth time I've done this. In fact, I recorded an entire episode, except I didn't record it. (laughs) I forgot to hit the record button. So I did a whole episode, rehearsed this really well last time, uh, and got to the end and realized I didn't have an episode to play. So, so this is this is uh, you know, probably about 4th or 5th or 10th of me doing this, as I say, and I appreciate your all's patience with us. Uh, this is our first recording of the year for 2024. We are looking forward to seeing what this year brings. want to always remind you, we are part of the Christian podcast community. It's a, a conglomeration of podca- Christian podcasts that have come together for the purpose of kind of helping uh, one another in developing our podcasts and making sure that we are putting out good content helping promote one another a little bit, and at the same time, giving all of you a place to go where if you're looking for good podcast material that you can trust, uh, you can go to one uh, kind of a one-stop shop. So I want to commend you to check that out, ma'am. Please give it a listen. Um, we have been interacted with several of the podcasts on there in the past. We've talked about them on the show, and uh, so far I haven't found anybody that I have an objection to. So I would really uh, encourage you to check just about any of them out. I think you'll be blessed by it. Uh, also want to remind you, we have a website, slave to the king.com. It's kind of our one-stop shop where you can find things that we've been, I've been trying to put more written content out lately. Um, I've actually renewed my, um, Twitter premium, uh, whatever they call it these days. (laughs) Uh, I I refuse to call it X until he comes up with a better name. It's Twitter. I'm sorry, Elon. X is a dumb name. Find a better name. (laughs) But... I enjoy writing, but one of the, the drawbacks to writing is, of course, if you put it somewhere people don't know where to find it, nobody reads it. <laughs> so what I've done is, what I'm starting to do, and, and we'll talk about one of the articles I wrote today, I'm kind of cross-posting. I'm doing both on Twitter and on our website. So there's a couple of places you can go to uh, to find uh, the thread or the, the actual uh, article. And we're hoping this is something that can be an added tool to help people think through issues biblically and allow them to you know just refocus and, and make the the scriptures the lens by which you you evaluate your life and evaluate how your um, your walk and your practice should be. So slave to the king.com encourage you to go check that out, sign up to be a follower of the website because we all know social media is a very strange thing. What today could be a very great free speech platform, tomorrow could be uh, some tyrants uh Based on some tyrant's whims, and so everybody's kicked off because they didn't like you. So we would encourage you to check that that format out as well and follow it. So I'm going to kind of just dive into things today. Now I'm going to ask you it again, be patient with me. Um, one of the drawbacks to not having Rich here with me is that I, uh, occasionally I have to wet, wet, wet my whistle and get my throat, dry, uh, you know, a little less dry. So if I pause, it's because I'm taking a sip of something to in order to uh, you know to be able to keep talking. Um, but you know, thank you for your patience on that. And again, if you, if you prefer a video format, if you are a pod, uh, an audio podcast listener and you prefer a video format, you'll be able to watch today's episode on YouTube. I will include the link to that in the, the show notes as well. So we'll get, uh, diving right in. And the reason I wanted to do this episode this week was as we're going into the 2024 year and now the election cycle, of course, it's the big election. We're getting ready for the, um, Uh, The presidential election, I guess is the best way to put it. And of course, that brings with it a whole host of questions about who to endorse, who to vote for, can I vote for a particular candidate, can I vote for a particular party? Uh, If you are an evangelical Christian, by and large, you're probably going to vote more in the conservative realm. You're less likely to vote in the the leftist or progressivist uh, side of things. However, As we've talked about on the show before, just last presidential election, we had what is evangelicals for Biden. Why? Because Trump was such a horrible, horrible person. There was no possible way anybody could vote for him. So let's vote for uh, for Joe Biden. And what a disaster that's turned out to be. I don't think we hear from those guys very much, except maybe some crickets. Yeah, that's about it. That's all we get. So um, as we go into this particular cycle... I wanted to address something we've kind of talked about on this program before, but I wanted to use a few examples to kind of bolster what we're what we've been addressing in uh, when it comes to Christians and voting and political parties and and uh, political movements. It's it's kind of a like I said it's it's kind of a given that most evangelical Christians will vo- vote more in the conservative realm. Meaning that, uh, be it independent or be it uh, uh, a Republican, most evangelical Christians are going to vote for someone who has something other than Democrat next to their name. I think that's kind of a given at this point. So, with that in mind, should is that something that should raise some concern for us? And I say that in in a very different reason than most. Say so your big name evangelical persons would we people somebody who, who might term a big Eva kind of the the thought leaders right they they kind of term themselves the thought leaders we've talked about them before and um that's not where I'm going now your big Eva type of person might say um well we 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 uh, Christians shouldn't be Republican or Democrat they shouldn't be left or right or, you know uh, we we don't want to alienate people through politics we don't want to uh, uh you know just Associate and drive with one party and drive other people away that need Jesus, kind of thing. And here's my thing with that. Let me let me start there. When it comes to the issue of you know Jesus is neither right nor left. Christians shouldn't be Democrat or Republican. You know there's there's room for everybody, kind of thing. Excuse me. My my issue with that is this: as an evangelical Christian, as somebody who looks to the scriptures and believes it as our authority by which we are to. Evaluate all things, judge all things, live according to our uh, live our lives according to and how we worship the Lord and how we practice. There are certain things that are just absolutely clear. We cannot we cannot endorse things in which God says that is a sin. So, for example, when you're talking about the Democrat Party or the leftists, um, you are talking about individuals who not only say that. Transgender, transgenderism is okay, for example, but they promote it and affirm it and celebrate it to the point that they put little kids in in uh, therapy and in medication treatment and, and, and much younger than they'll admit into surgeries, life-altering surgeries and medications. These are things that God says, no, he says he has made us male and female. He knit us together in our mother's womb. God determined who you who you are, not not some whim of your own imagination. So when a political party says we're going to affirm and celebrate that which God says no, you you can't vote for that. When God says life begins in the in conception that it is a, a baby in its mother's womb, if a part political party says not only are we going to sell or approve of killing that child in the womb, we're going to celebrate, affirm, and promote and expand. That access to murder of child, you can't you can't vote for that. When the Bible says, and according to the Word of God, marriage is between one man and one woman in a lifelong monogamous relationship with very few exceptions for divorce. When a party says male and male, female and female, you know, uh, mul- you know, throuples and and polyamory, all of it's we say is marriage. And not only do we say it's marriage, we celebrate, affirm, and expand access to it. You can't vote for that. Any political entity that promotes promotes the expansion of those things which God calls an abomination is quite simply something you cannot do as a Christian. You cannot support it. So... Okay. Yes, we can't be. You, you want to make an argument? We're not left, right, or center. We're we're Christians. We're not these political entities. Well, we're certainly not left. We can't uh, we can't ascribe to that. Oh, but Chris, what about you know you know uh, helping the poor and uh, you know uh, you know loving your neighbor and all stuff? You know the, the Republicans won't do that. It depends on how you define it. Um, nowhere in Scripture does it tell the government, that it has the duty to do these things. However, it does tell the church. So the church is supposed to love its neighbor, primarily starting within the church. The church is supposed to minister to the needs of the poor, the widow, the orphan, primarily starting within the church. It does not give the command for the government to do so. Well, other people won't do it. Well, that's not what Scripture is telling us how we evaluate that. Scripture says you as the church do these things. So if you want people to do that, we as the church should model that. We don't tell the government do it in our place. So that's not that's not a that's not a solution to bypass all that of uh, those things which the left says we're gonna celebrate, affirm, and, and expand access to. When God says those are sins, don't do them. So I'm sorry, when it comes to that issue, we just can't. We, we ought not, we cannot, we should not be doing those things whatsoever. So with that in mind, when I say our association, when I'm referring to our, our associations with um, political entities, political movements, and questions that come about around, uh, around about those associations, I'm not saying you can vote, v. feel free to vote for Movements that are inherently built on that which God calls an abomination. You cannot do that. But I am saying we need to be wise about our associations with those whom we might find ourselves more in um, alignment. Primarily your libertarian or or conservative political movements. Now, why do I say that? Okay, so I'm going to give you three things to think about with regard uh, regard to this. One of which is going to be the issue of the conservative movement's kind of love affair with the idea of, of really just not addressing abortion or gay marriage they they, they see these as um, issues to be avoided now there this is argument is coming up it's been around for a while but it's really starting to ramp up a bit another one is what happened in this last couple i think last week or so and grant you this is one company cons, you know as a conservative private company that put this out but it's a bit representative of what's going on, I think, within conservatism in general. And you had a, I think it was a conservative beer company, I forget the name of it off the top of my head, that um, put out a calendar, kind of a women of conservative, you know, conservative women calendar. And it was women in various kinds of outfits, some of which, my understanding, are inappropriate, quite inappropriate. Uh, for example, Riley Gaines, the, uh, The uh, collegiate athlete, uh, collegiate swimmer, who whom I have some respect for because she has been uh, challenging the idea of women uh, having to compete against biological men in women's sports, and she's taken a lot of heat for it, but she's you know she's standing strong, which I respect. But she posed in this in a in a bikini. We're not talking about her collegiate swimsuit, which pretty much covers a lot. We're talking about a bikini, okay? And I think we can all. I don't want to suggest using your imagination, but we can all imagine what that means. Uh, I have not seen these pictures. This is based on what others have described. I think I've seen some quick images that went through my Twitter scroll that were kind of edited to swear you can't see everything, which praise the Lord for that. Um, But inappropriate pictures of women posing uh, on this calendar. And again, not all of them were. My understanding is some of them were kind of dressed up in, you know, maybe like 1950s-ish pinup. Not revealing clothing or anything, but, um, but it was produced for a, a calendar of, of women for men to look at. And this was a conservative movement that did this. And you have, this is something that's happening within the conservative political movement. And one of the leading uh, entities in that would be Daily Wire. Not, you know When Daily Wire started kind of saying, hey, we're going to kind of create this parallel entertainment genre. Uh, because we want to show that not everybody is or that, that there's a market for entertainment that's conservative-driven, that it's not all about wokeism, not all about objectionable uh, you know material. We want to create a subscription service and sell the, this entertainment. Also, we want to create products and sell those products. So they're doing candy bars and, and razors and, and videos and all this kind of stuff. So. Daily Wire has kind of been at the head of that, and it's becoming something we're seeing more and more of, but it's compromised. It's becoming to become more and more compromised, and this calendar is one example of that. Finally, I want to touch on something that happened with presidential, oh, former President Trump, now presidential candidate for 2024, Donald Trump, and an ad that came out with regard to him and something that he shared. So mind you, if you share something, that an ad that's produced ostensibly for you to market you as a presidential candidate and you share it as the candidate you're putting your stamp of approval on it so with those things in mind let's kind of dive into this so the first thing is that we're starting to see and I saw this my first time I saw this was probably well over a decade ago and it was um, the argument that uh, Republicans needed to jettison their, uh, their intent to kind of oppose abortion and oppose gay marriage. And remember the first time I had this conversation with a coworker and the, uh, the argument was basically like, these are losing ideas. You know, you, you're not going to win if you keep, uh, promoting this. If you keep going after this, if you keep trying to, uh, uh you know, oppose abortion, oppose gay marriage, you're just going to lose to begin with. And we, we need to stop worrying about that. <clears throat> and I, you know, I, it was interesting because I stopped and I looked at my coworker. I said, can I ask you a question? Okay. Um, as born-again Christian, somebody whose faith means a lot to me, do I or do I not have the right to el- seek to elect people who represent my views, who represent my ideologies? And it kind of tripped the person up. You know, They, they were console- so consumed with the idea of winning that what's the whole point of winning? you're winning positions of representation. So Christians have a right to elect people who will represent their views and promote laws and idea and policies that will represent that. Christians have that as much right to do that as anyone else. So on the issue of life, that's an important issue. If you are not going to protect life, how can I trust you as a candidate? You know I had a, a governor of ours. Who we had had a uh, we had had a pretty bad Democrat governor here in Nevada at one point, and uh, had a rep- looked like we had a strong pro- Republican contender by, under the name of Brian Sandoval. And um, I remember thinking, oh yeah, and I'm listening to some of the stuff he's put out, and I'm thinking, yeah, I'll vote for the guy, and especially because the Democrat guy is just total uh, mess. Got to vote for the Republican. And then uh, I think I was in a discussion with my wife. She had asked you know where he stood on abortion. I thought you know that's a really good question. I had not. Check that. I just assumed it. I had to do some digging because, you know, now former Governor Sandoval was pro-choice. He just didn't make it very known. Had to do some legwork to find that one. The man never got my vote. And, uh, you know, as somebody who worked as a state employee under him, uh, I'm glad I didn't vote for him. He He did some good economic things for the state, But he was a horrible governor, and he was very two-faced, and uh, he would stab you in the back. And he did, in my agency in particular, he very much did. So if you're going to compromise on the life issue, I can't trust you. I I can't trust you to make choices that will ultimately be what's right and good and what will honor God. If you're going to promote gay marriage, I can't trust you because you're willing to say that sexual deviancy is so acceptable— that uh, you're willing to you know, just punt on the issue. Uh, you, it's too important to get the votes when you are willing to allow people to promote an idea that they can defy God in the realm of marriage and stand there and take vows of which they will never be able to honor because they can't honor vows of marriage, which is God's institution, when they are shaking their fist at God to... Live in a sexually immoral lifestyle. So you have, you know, it's now fast forward to 2023, 2024. We're starting to see people within the conservative movement making this argument. And, uh, you know, this was a few weeks ago, so I don't remember the names that were involved, but I saw, you know, people within this political sphere making that argument. And it behooves us as Christians to say, wait a minute. If God's word is clear on these issues, and don't let the leftists Derail you. The, the God's Word is clear on these issues, on these issues. Then why am I locking arms with a group of people who would say we're gonna we need to punt on these issues, we need to abandon these issues, and stop caring about them, stop trying to protect life, stop trying to protect marriage, stop trying to reverse course on these matters. Because they are losing issues. We will lose in the election if we stand by these issues. Why am I linking arms with people whom I cannot trust to defend life, to defend marriage? That should be a question all Christians are asking. And here's the thing. I've had people on an online discussion say, well you're so consumed about this, but we're going to lose if you make an issue of this. And if we lose, we can't even address that issue once they're in office. If you're not willing to defend it now, what makes makes you or I or anyone else believe that that person will in fact defend it once they get in office? If they're not willing to take a stand now, they want the votes of Christians. They're constantly calling on us as Christians to support them but they don't want to hear what christians have to say on the issue of life on the issue of marriage how can we expect them to represent excuse me represent us and represent our principles our ideologies and our beliefs if they're going to punt on it during the election cycle and that's exactly what we're doing so i say this because those are important questions as a christian you know what god's word says and if you don't know Stop this this video or this podcast and go online and start looking up this stuff. Go talk to your pastor. Go dig into the Word of God, first and foremost. Pray. Understand what God has said. Don't be derailed by individuals who hate God and hate His Word and want to tell you, well, God hasn't spoken on this issue. It's not as clear as you think. Even though it clearly says that a man shall not lie with a man as he was with a woman. It's an abomination. Um... That's not what it really means. Oh, but it also talks about mixed fabrics and not eating shellfish. So don't worry about those. Believe it or not, folks, there are answers to all of those things. And some very sound Christian scholarship has been done on these things. And all we got to do is take the time to study it. But we need more than anything to trust God's word. And if you have people who are willing to say that life and marriage are unimportant, but boy, our economic policy, that's important boy our border issue that's important if if you want to protect life and if you want to protect the economy then you better start with protecting the people and that don't get much more vulnerable you don't have you, you the, the greatest victim of homicide in our nation today is as unborn children in the womb if you're not going to protect that what makes me think you're going to protect the border what makes you think you're going to protect my pocketbook? You are more consumed with a socio-political perspective and gaining political power than you are about life, and you are willing to throw that to the uh, to the uh, you know throw that out and say no, we're not going to discuss that issue. It's not important. We need to win. That's more important. That's concerning, and it should be for every Christian that if you encounter anyone who abst- who claims to be a conservative who believes in doing what is right and good and limiting the powers of government. And they're not willing to use, you know, say that this is a rightful use of the powers of government to protect life and marriage foundational system, foundational uh, core of, uh, of this nation is the family. And you're not willing to protect that. Then you're not interested in anything about conservatism. You are just interested in power. And you're just willing to be Democrat light or leftist light. You don't have to take a stand. You can just get into office and do the things that you want to do. And that's what compromise does. It causes us to be corrupted and and our thinking to be corrupted. And it says that, well, this issue is okay. That sin, that's not as bad as this sin over here. So I can be okay with that. Folks, we can't support such a thing. And so, when you start making your choices about who you're going to support, start asking important questions. There's always going to be something about a political candidate that you can't agree with, and I understand that. And ultimately, it may be a down down to who is going to who is it that's going to destroy this nation and reformat it into something other than what it was created to be, such as you know the Democrats and and Joe Biden and his, his puppet handlers, because we know Biden is not. As, as, as others have said, he's non-compromisentus. The man is you know, is mentally vacant, and he's got handlers telling him what to say and do. And we know he, that's the case because all we got to do is watch him when he gets off script. You know, it's just it's just that easy. So, with that in mind, you know, you need to consider: I may be voting for someone who's compromised to prevent a great evil, but that person who's compromised. Is not somebody I can continue to support unwaveringly. And that's been a big concern is the unwavering support I sometimes see from people who are conservative politically. When you raise these issues, well, we have to support them. Otherwise, you're just going to let tyrants rule. Eh, Hold on. We need to hold our own side accountable. And if we're not willing to do that, then we're no better because we're willing to compromise for political gain. We need to ask questions, and we need to compare it against Scripture, and we have to make sure that what we are doing is right before the eyes of God. That is more important than anything else. It really is. And I know that's going to make some people mad. Well, we need to save the republic. I agree. We need to save it. It's worth saving. you know. But if God is determined to tear down the republic because of his judgment upon a nation that has repeatedly turned its back on him, um, we're not going to stop that. But we can be consumed with the idea of, is what I'm doing honoring God? That should be more than uh, the most important thing. Am I honoring God? So, excuse me, wetting my whistle here. Moving on to the next point, this issue of the calendar, the uh, Women of Conservatism calendar or whatever it was called. This is another issue where we're seeing compromise on the part of the modern conservative political movement. I mentioned Daily Wire. Now, Daily Wire didn't produce this, but um, Daily Wire has been putting out content, as I said, that's kind of meant to be a an alternative to the leftist-controlled entertainment industry and product industry. And so, they've been putting some stuff out. My, uh, you know, I have not yet watched these things because you have to have a subscription to Daily Wire, and I just don't. I already have too many subscriptions. <laughs> So I just, I don't, I can, there's only so many I can handle folks. But, um, from what I understand, the, uh, documentary that Matt Walsh did, uh, on what is a woman is fantastic. Um, I know that they put out like a Western film with, uh, uh, Ms. Carano. I can't think of her first name off the top of my head. The gal that got fired from Star Wars. She was in it from what I understand. That was like ex- really excellent film. They've put out some things people have really appreciated. However, Daily Wire put out a film called Lady Ballers, which was just a my from what from what I saw the trailer and from what I saw heard from people that saw it, just a really trashy uh, attempt to be humorous about the trans issue. And uh, you know, it was basically about a guy who purposely takes men and and makes them all say that they're women so they can you know win their t- total mediocre uh, sports. Guys, you know, at best and, you know, they dominate because they're men in in like women's basketball or something. But it's it's just another trashy comedy. So here we are supposed to be advancing conservative political values, but we're going to trash and we're going to make trashy film about an issue that really it's a horrendous thing that's going on right now where you have a culture in which people have been told they can, because of what runs around in their head, the emotional emotions they feel and the emotional state that they're in, that they can change their biological identity. Oh yeah, you were born this. You were assigned this at birth, but you're actually that. And you can just imagine it and everybody has to believe it's true. And it's so invasive, it's so pervasive, that it has Literally destroyed the lives of a great many people who have partaken in it. There are people that argue from a detransition point today or you know, today. In other words, they transition to whatever sex they thought they were and later realize the lies that it uh, that it told. And it never promised to deliver on that making a happier and better life. And these folks have tragic stories to tell. Of what was done in the name of advancing this transgender craze ideology. There have been people who have taken their lives because of it. There are young women today who will never have a normal feminine life. And it destroys them mentally and physically. And who are now beginning to file lawsuits. Because of how destructive it has been. And in order to advance this ideology further, we have people saying we need to get to the little kids. The, a kid just a few years old can tell you if he's a boy or a girl. And we need to be on it that fast. Otherwise, that kid's going to die. And they lie to these families. Now, there are families out there who are terrified and they're believing the lie and, and shame on them for doing so. And then there are those who are just want to be seen as heroes and they put their children through this, destroy them for their own clout. I I saw a video uh, today that somebody shared of this whole family. There's this beautiful little boy coming up the stairs and he goes to this closet and opens it up and out there's the dress and they they, did fast forward time and the kids got long hair, wearing a dress, makeup, the whole nine yards and they just, and, and they're all celebrating over so happy. And they are destroying this little boy. That's, that's abuse. That's child abuse. But Daily Wire turns it into a crash joke. To mock the the ideology, to be sure. But it's a trashy comedy for entertainment purposes. This is a destructive ideology, but you're going to make a comedy out of it. That's pretty sad. But now we come back to the calendar, like I was mentioning earlier. So with this calendar, it is a calendar made by a beer company. So big shock there and marketed to men. I think my understanding is to even fathers. So married men with families for them to look at women, some of which are not appropriately attired. Think about what that says for a second. Ugh. I got to figure out how to turn off my Apple reactions thing. Video popped up with a thumbs up. So sorry about that folks. I talk with my hands. I got to keep them out of camera view. (laughs) The last time I, one of the errors when the system went down on me before was the videos froze because that Apple reactions thing, and I've yet to figure out how to turn it off. So anyway, um, (laughs) I'm all completely derailed now. (laughs) So, Think about what that is. It is a calendar for men to look at women who are not their wives. Think about that. Men looking and admiring other women who are not their wives. That should be a huge red flag. Huge. In the words of Donald Trump, huge, huge red flag. But people were celebrating it and I remember looking at some of the discussions online, and there were conservatives and even professing Christians who defended it. One of the most common things was, oh, just grow up. Grow up? I'm sorry, at what point, what is the age marker that says I no longer have to worry about immorality? Where do we stop worrying about that? Where is the age marker in scripture that you no longer have to be concerned about sexual immorality. Oh Chris you're being over the top. It's just people in a bathing suit. That's not sexual. It's not sexual. Young attractive women. Inappropriately attired. Marketed to men. Are you kidding me? Of course it's sexual. It wouldn't sell if it wasn't. Men would not buy it. If this was a calendar. Of. Of. Little puppy dogs owned by conservative uh, politicians and, and commentators. How many men would buy it? It's sold because it was women that men can stare at and think about and have imaginations about. It is sexual. This is where I have a real problem with people not understanding and, and, and creating artificial lines that are not scriptural so that they can feel comfortable about we don't need to support those evil people on the left, but the guys on the right, even though they're kind of messing around here, they're still okay. Where does the start of sexual immorality begin? Well, Jesus made it clear that if you stu- if you look with lust in your heart, you're committing adultery in the heart. It starts here. It starts in the heart. It starts in the mind. So any product that is marketed to stir the passions in any way, shape, or form is where immorality begins. It is a ridiculous notion to say that a swimsuit issue, for example, is all about the swimsuits. You guys know it ain't all about the swimsuits. It has nothing to do with the swimsuits. Zero to do with swimsuits. Those, you know, like Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition has zip da doo da to do. With the sp- the swimsuits, if you think that's the case, you're out of your mind. It has nothing to do with swimsuits, but it does have everything to do with stirring the passions of men who have hormonal control issues. Okay, it's basically let's sell a, a a nudie mag to men in a manner that gets us out of trouble from not having to actually have a nudie mag rating, and we put people women in scantily clothed or we cover just enough that were not actually pornography. Well, it is pornography. It is women in various forms of undress designed to stir and and, and inflame the passions of men with, with sexual lust. That is where every path toward sexual degradation begins in the heart. And so when a conservative magazine or a conservative company or a conservative... Subscription service makes anything that is designed to stir and inflame those passions. They are already compromised as badly as the left. See, we all like to say, "Oh well," and we did a whole episode about this because David French tried to say, "Oh, don't say they're 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 groomers." That's not bad. That's a that's a terrible thing to say. Groomers are are people who uh, groom little children for you know sexual predation. Yeah, you know, that's not what you know. You guys are not talking about groomers. That's something different. Well. We did it as a show, and I actually, I think I even wrote wrote something up for the uh, the blog about this. Um, Yeah, it is grooming. It's a form of grooming. It may not be sexual predation type grooming, but it is grooming a generation of people to believe that there's no problem with flaunting open sexual immorality. So when we start at the lowest levels by introducing imagery that's really not as bad as say full on hardcore porn but you get the picture i mean she's really nice looking isn't she that's the point point. and so when we say that well it's we're not as bad as the left they they want they want this drag queen story hour for little kids so that they can groom little children you're teaching you're helping dads in homes stir their passions by looking at women that are not their wives and their families see this. You don't think little Timmy or little Billy or little Susie knows that dad has a calendar and that hasn't begun to form in their little hearts and minds that it's okay for men to stare at women, especially scantily clad women? That's not grooming those those families. That's not grooming those children for a life to believe that you can look at someone with lust in a manner that it should be reserved for your spouse. But that's okay because this is just pictures on on a calendar and it was important to have because it supported a political cause. How is that any different than the left who says it's important to support trans kids because they, are they're, they're people too, and we're going to use that to promote our political agenda. It's not different. I hate to tell you this. It's not different. You know, you, let me rephrase that. I, I, I love to tell you this. I don't hate to tell you this. I love to tell you this. It's not different. It's totally the same thing. It's only different by perception. There are people who today who think. To look with lust is not a a big issue. It's okay to look at a lady and, and have sexual thoughts as long as you never act on them. But Christ himself said to look with lust, a person who is not your wife, is to commit adultery. And you'll be judged just as harshly. So if we are telling people that for political gain it is okay to approve of that which God has said is wrong, is a sin then, folks, we are not conserving anything. Stop and think about that. Conservative implies that we're conserving something, preserving something, right? We're conserving those things that the founding fathers of this nation felt were the bedrock principles by which we should be founded and built upon. And that's what we're trying to conserve and preserve but we're saying no nah, we don't really need to worry about those things we just need to get elected so we can promote the policies we like that's a very huge red flag okay again <clears throat> if you're engaging in conversation with people about this issue we need to be focused laser focused on the word of god <clears throat> excuse me which says that to look with lust is a sin and if if we as christians are not addressing that issue If we are not holding our own side accountable for that, if we are unwilling to speak up because it might cost us politically, then we have put the political idol, the false God of conservatism, which is hardly conservative at all anyway, on the shelf and we've bowed to it. And I wrote an article on this and I'll put that in the show notes. And I just said, you know, what good is it to win an election yet lose their souls? Because that's what's happening, is we are being told by the conservative movement, you need to be quiet. We need to win an election. These are losing issues. This stuff is not that bad. You're more. Why are you concerned about this? But not the transing of kids. Well, this transing of kids starts way back here, in an area that you're unwilling to acknowledge. Excuse me. I got something in my throat right now. Um. So the whole. Issue of being unwilling to hold our own side accountable, and to be willing to say that you need to—you're going to stand before God one day. You're going to be held accountable, and you're not willing to hear this out. It should cause us a grave amount of concern. The people on the right, the people who are the part of this conservative movement, who are jettisoning, jettisoning these issues. First off, understand they've unhitched themselves for any kind of moral objectivity. They don't want moral objectivity anymore. We're seeing that more and more as we can, as entertainment on that side continues to grow as access to, um, you know, the, the market grows and we're trying to expand our reach into, uh, to more and more people for, for vo- to gain more voters. They're unhitched, unmoored from any sense of moral objectivity. Because moral objectivity is an obstacle to reaching those goals. If if your goal is political power, if your goal is wealth and uh, celebrity and, uh, and opportunity to grow your brand, then you're not worried about moral objectivity. Therefore, you're not worried about the word of God. You're not worried about his laws. You're not worried about his commandments. You're not worried about pleasing him. You're worried about winning now winning is a very odd definition um you know it seems that the only the only way they can the only win that they consider a win is to actually get into office or uh you know increase the bottom line in some way winning to them is not actually holding the moral high ground so why why are we seeing that because just like the left conservatives are populated with the same sinful people same people who have the same sins same proclivities same weaknesses, people who desperately need the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we are expected to link arms with them so that we can win an election. They may get into office, but they're not going to promote that which is godly. If they're not willing to take the stand here, if they're not willing to say, we're not going to produce that kind of film content, we're not going to produce that kind of Uh, magazine or calendar. We're going to stand for life in the womb. We're going to protect life at all levels. We're going to protect the family. We're going to protect the foundations of the family. We're going to fight against sexual immorality. If they're not willing to do these things, then the only thing they're preserving is their own lust for power. And so with that in mind, we have to consider that as we're going into the voting booth, we need to be careful about not being unequally yoked with a movement that has no interest in the things of God. It doesn't want our voice, but boy, they sure want our votes. Again, I'm not telling you who to vote for. I'm not saying don't vote for Republicans. I'm not saying don't vote for independents or or libertarians or anything. I'm simply saying, be very, very cautious about who you link arms with. And then on top of that, be aware that These are individuals who really probably aren't interested in you or what you have to say or interested in representing you or your beliefs. They just want power. So with that in mind, you need to be praying for these individuals. You need to be sharing the gospel with these individuals. You need to be holding up the highest standards of scripture and, you know, preaching it to them. If we're willing to say we need to speak the truth to the left, we should very much be willing to speak it to our own political side or at least the side we align ourselves with. That's really important, folks. It's really, really important. Now, with one final thing to, to go over, um, this is where I said, you know, I was talking about Donald Trump earlier, and I, I said, I, I think I said I'll, I'll, I'll touch on him again here in a minute. Something came out this, I think it was just this last week. Um, the first person who shared it that I saw it from was <laughs> oddly, uh, a Daily Wire employee, Megan Basham, I actually have a lot of respect for Miss Basham, even though she works for Daily Wire. She's really, I think, done a good job uh, as kind of their religion writer. And she's really, from the things that I've seen her do, been pretty sound in her coverage of some of these topics. Um, she shared something that was an ad that was put together. Now, what I don't know, if somebody knows, please email me. Maybe I, I Maybe I'm just not, I, I haven't looked into it very far. And perhaps maybe I, I just need, I'm not seeing the right thing. I'm not sure who made the ad for, or with regard to Donald Trump, but what I did see is that Donald Trump actually shared this ad on his Truth Social accounts. So I think I mentioned this earlier. And if you as a candidate are promoting an ad, whether you made it or not, um, if you're promoting this ad, then what you're doing is you're putting your stamp of approval on it. And I think that should be concerning for really anybody um, when we are considering whether we should vote for this individual or not. Now, I'm going to play this ad. I want you to hear it. And um, I think those of you watching video, if I hit the right tab here, you'll you'll see it as well. Um, it's done in the kind of the style of, if you don't know who it is, Paul Harvey uh, was a kind of a, a news and social commentator. A great guy, you know, just had some fantastic content. That he put out in his day. Uh, he was famous for. And that's the rest of the story. Where he would literally add a lot of detail to historical issues or historical events. That most people wouldn't know about. You know he he was giving you. His, his whole thing was to give you a full picture of the person or the uh, people involved in something. And so it was really great stuff that he put out. And he also had kind of these poetic um uh, you know, kind of acknowledgements of certain professions. My personal favorite, obviously, was law the one he did for law enforcement on, on the police officer. 25 years in law enforcement, sorry. <laughs> um, you know, it's, you're going to have to forgive me for that one, but I really loved it. I thought it was great, you know, talking about what the the officers expected to be and, and, and these unrealistic uh, ideas and expectations of them. But he also did one on God Made the Farmer. Well, this particular ad is God Made Trump. So it's done in that way. Now, when you hear it, you might be like me; you might cringe a little bit on some of the things that are said, but at the same time, they're trying to to mimic that flow and that poetic way of describing a person or a a, uh, a class of person, and so they're applying this to to Trump. To me, I, I feel it's a little overdone. You know, they they tried a little too hard, in my opinion. But there's one point in here I want you to listen for that I believe is just straight blasphemous and that is should be very concerning because the it wasn't just that somebody made this and put that in there but whoever made this whether it was Trump's team or it was uh, some some other entity and he approved of it he's sharing it so he doesn't have a problem with what's said in this video so i'm going to share this with you and i want you to you know just listen for it and see if you uh, can catch what i caught
1: And on June 14, 1946, God looked down on his planned paradise and said, I need a caretaker. So God gave us Trump. God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, fix this country, work all day, fight the Marxists, eat supper, then go to the Oval Office and stay past midnight at a meeting of the heads of state. So God made Trump. I need somebody with arms, strong enough to rustle the deep state and yet gentle enough to deliver his own grandchild. Somebody to ruffle the feathers, tame cantankerous world economic forum, come home hungry, have to wait until the first lady is done with lunch with friends, then tell the ladies to be sure and come back real soon and mean it. So God gave us Trump. I need somebody who can shape an ax, but wield a sword, who had the courage to step foot in North Korea Who can make money from the tar of the sand turn liquid to gold who understands the difference between tariffs and inflation will finish his 40-hour week by tuesday noon but then put in another 72 hours so god made trump god had to have somebody willing to go into the den of vipers call out the fake news for their tongues as sharp as a serpent's the poison of vipers is on their lips and yet stop so god made trump God said, I need somebody who will be strong and courageous, who will not be afraid or terrified of the wolves when they attack, a man who cares for the flock, a shepherd to mankind who won't ever leave nor forsake them. I need the most diligent worker to follow the path and remain strong in faith, and know the belief of God and country, somebody who's willing to drill, bring back manufacturing and American jobs, farm the lands, secure our borders, build our military, fight the system all day, and finish a hard week's work by attending church on Sunday, and then his oldest son turns and says, Dad, let's make America great again. Dad, let's build back a country to be the envy of the world again. So God made Trump.
0: And so God made Trump. That was the, that was the ad. Did you hear it? Did you hear the blasphemy? I hope you did. I hope you heard it because it should raise huge, as I said before, red flags should set the hair on the back of your neck standing up. What did the, what did the ad say? That someone who could, you know, watch over the flock to shepherd mankind who would never leave them nor forsake them. You've heard that before, right? Shepherding, not leaving or forsaking. Yeah. You know who they're applied to? Not Donald Trump. John 10, 11, Jesus says, I'm reading from the English Standard Version. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life, for the sheep. The good shepherd, the one who shepherds over his people, is Jesus Christ. It's not Donald Trump, it's not any man, it's no politician, it's not a humanitarian, it's not a pastor, it's not you know, it's not a podcaster. It's nobody. It's Christ alone. You don't get to use the title of shepherd like that, shepherding mankind. And applying it to Donald Trump. Who will never leave them or forsake them, right? Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Who's he? Oh, let's back up. Verse 4 let the let marriage be held in honor among all and let and let the marriage bed be undefiled for god will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous and then he says keep your life free from money or from the love of money for he has said i will never leave you nor forsake you god jesus christ is the only one who will never leave us nor forsake us this is specific biblical language remember just like a few sentences before, in referring to you know fake news people, the ad says the poison of asps is on their lips. We've heard that one before, haven't we? Oh yeah, it's Romans chapter three, referring to all mankind. The person putting together this ad specifically used political language, or excuse me, biblical language in a political ad, meant to tickle the ears of the religious people. Remember what I said before they want their they want our votes. They don't necessarily want our voice, they want our votes. specific biblical language being used per, to promote a person running for president. That's blasphemous. Especially when you consider that those two lines, "shepherding mankind and never leaving or forsaking" Is being used of a man when it should be applied to Christ alone. This should offend every Christian. It should be deeply offensive. It should cause us to recoil in horror at anyone who would think that it is acceptable to use language specifically uh, meant to be applicable to Christ alone. It should cause us to recoil. To think that it could be applied to anyone. And I don't care how good a, po- a politician they are. I don't care what kind of good businessman they are. I don't, you know, Donald Trump could have the most stellar record of anybody ever. He doesn't. <laughs> I think that we'd be foolish to think otherwise. He doesn't. But I don't care if he was squeaky clean. That Those lines have no business being attributed to him ever. Oh, well, it's just a political ad. I don't care. That's the thing. We should not care what the context was apart from the only context where that could be used is if somebody said, you know, there's only one person who will never leave nor forsake us, and that's Jesus Christ. Yet, this said politician, in desiring to be conformed to the image of his his Savior— Desires to have that same tireless love for his people. If you want to make a comparison, something like that, I could almost go, all right, I'm willing to hear what you're having to say, but you better be very clear about it. But no, no, no. This ad said he, he, meaning Donald Trump, will never leave nor forsake them, and that he would shepherd mankind. I don't care how clean your image is. You don't get to use biblical language applicable to Christ to you alone. You just can't do it. You are... Claiming a status that does not belong to you. And like I said, it should offend all of us. But the thing that worries me is while I, I give genuine kudos to, to Megan Basham and really a lot of people. There were a lot of Christians who said this is straight blasphemy. But there were the others who said, Oh, you're being um you're being picky, you're being judgmental. Well, you know, he, he, I doubt he or his team knew anything about this ad. Well, he, they shared it. I, I doubt they were involved. Doesn't matter. They shared it. Well, I, you know, I had one person tell me, well, I, I don't necessarily like everything about, uh, uh about, about, Trump. Um, but I, I would vote for a ham sandwich over, you know, Biden. So you, you need to back off this, this, you know, this, this win is more important, essentially. <clears throat> um. There are people who are professing Christians who are saying, we need to grow up, we need to not worry about this, that the election means more. If ultimately, through your God-informed conscience, and I always say this, through your God-informed conscience, you are led to vote for Donald Trump, so be it. You look at the playing field, so to speak, you look at what Biden and his regime represent, You look at what they're trying to do to people and to this nation, and you go, Trump's got a lot of issues. But here, here, and here, I believe he most aligns with what Scripture says. And so he's the the guy I believe I've got to vote for in order to be a stopgap to stop this from happening until we can figure out a better option. Okay, I'm fine with that. I don't have an issue with that. But that doesn't absolve him from correction, rebuke, and critique. And if we are unwilling as Christians to critique the political right when they not only do things that are sinful, but then turn around and attribute that which belongs to Christ to a political candidate, if we can't stand up and say, this is wrong, repent of this, then Christians, what have we done but made an idol of politics ourselves? I understand the sincere desire to reverse the course of this nation. I really do. But that doesn't mean we are absolved of our responsibility to act in a manner that honors and glorifies our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm not saying that if you vote for Trump that you've sinned in some way. But I will say, and I, I like what my brother Samuel Say said, it's not a sin to vote for Trump, but it is a sin to defend Trump in what was he was uh, promoting of himself there. If you are defending a, uh, a heathen, and I'm sorry, he's not a Christian. I said this already. He's not a Christian. Defending a heathen using the words of God for himself, you are sinning because you are defending blasphemy. That you need to repent of. I've talked about this and I think I've written stuff up on it before. The idea of no enemies to the right or no men enemies on my right is one of the most foolish ideologies we've ever bought into. You know, it's like, oh, well, the left, they just, they vote as a union, as a block. And they never, you know, they don't worry about how obscene some of their, uh, you know, extreme people are. They just, they get the work done and we need to be like that. No, we do not. We need to be a people who are willing to say, what has God's word said? And are we willing to stand up for it, even if it costs us? And I think the answer must be yes. We must be willing to stand up for the truth and honor God in all that we say and do, regardless of the outcome. And if we aren't willing to defend the scriptures against such a twisted use, then what are we doing? We have become the very thing we hate because we are willing to pragmatically abuse the word of God for our own gain. Shame on us if we do so the political right is as i said filled with people who desperately need the gospel of jesus christ you know you see the shirt i'm if you're watching the the video you see a shirt i'm wearing it says we preach christ it comes from uh, pilgrim's Coffer website great stuff really re- i don't get paid to say this i haven't even gotten a discount on anything i bought uh, <laughs> but uh our good uh, buddy jared runs this website and has fantastic content uh the the stuff like this shirt is just the tip of the iceberg. Uh, the materials that he makes available and sells please go go visit a pilgrim's Coffer. Um, but we preach Christ. That's what we should be most concerned with when we're what the linking arms and being un, potentially unequally yoked with a movement that doesn't want anything to do with Christ but it sure wants his voters. Our primary concern should be those are people that are a mission field. They need Jesus Christ. We need to be preaching Christ to them because they have unhitched themselves. They are unmoored from the word of God and they are floating with the world, with the tide of the world. And they're just moving at a slightly slower pace than the, the, the leftists who are running headlong for the falls, right? If You know, they are... You know the left and, and and the you know Biden regime. It's like they've they see Niagara Falls on the horizon. They've put the motor in the water. They've cranked it up to you know its max speed and they're shooting for it. Well, the political right has kind of put the oars in the water, and instead of trying to back up against the the flow of the current, they're going with it. They're just gentle rowing. We're not going as fast. But we're still headed for the falls. They are as much desperate of need of Christ as anybody on the political left as is. is. I, I think, and this is a using this name is kind of a, a, a double edged sword. So it's not somebody I follow, but I, I over I, I saw a video clip, and I think Doug Wilson had this much right uh, in what he was saying. He says, you know, the 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 left is heading for the uh, the cliff. You know, at, at, you know running at a dead sprint the The right is kind of walking toward it. He says, why would I vote for the right if they're heading uh, for the cliff too? He says, because they're going at a slower pace and it gives me more time and options. And I'm very badly paraphrasing that. So in, I'm not a Doug Wilson follower. I'm not a, f- a fan of his. I really, don't, I think I've heard maybe half a dozen things he's, he's ever said. Um, but on that particular issue, I'm going to, I'm going to give him credit for it. He's right. You may find yourself ca- trying to come alongside the political right and voting for them as a stopgap, but if you don't take the time to recognize they are compromised, they are corrupted, and they desperately need Christ, you're walking with them toward the fall, the edge of the, the cliff. You're rowing with them toward the falls. Do you understand that? The, the, the way to fight being dragged over the falls is not to go in the direction of it. It's to turn the boat around, put the motor in the water, and go the other way. Well, the only way we can do that, now mind you, we don't preach Christ for cultural transformation. That's pragmatism. That's what the woke ideologist does. That's what the name it and claim it, blab it and grab it people do. There are even people within reform circles who are, in my opinion, becoming very pragmatic about changing culture. We'll get another discussion for another time. Uh, But it's a danger. Pragmatism is a danger no matter who's doing it. And so we don't, preach Christ for cultural transformation. But when we see the culture headed towards judgment, we preach Christ to say, turn away from judgment. And that's what we should be most consumed with. If we preach Christ, if we preach Christ and him crucified, if we bring the gospel to bear in all that we say and do, and it motivates everything because we want to be like our savior who came to earth and took on human flesh lived a life of perfection in our place, died in our place, you and then rose from the grave, defeating sin and death and giving us a hope of eternal life. If we want to be conformed to that, then we're going to take that message to the world. And we're going to do, as the scripture says, we're going to make disciples of every nation. Make disciples of every nation, not disciple the nations. Again, different discussion for a different time. Um, that's going to get me in trouble, too. Uh, just you know, send the hate mail to voiceofreasonradio.gmail.com, mark it for Chris and... I might read it. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, Yeah, I'll read it. (laughs) I'm sorry. I don't mean to be mean. But we don't preach it for cultural transformation. As I said, we preach it because we want to see these people saved. That becomes our priority, not saving the nation, so to speak. The byproduct is if we indeed preach the gospel and God is gracious in saving people. Those people become voices of the gospel as well and go out and make more disciples. And we've seen that in history, that when the gospel proliferates, a people are changed. Now, the gospel proliferates in very vile countries as well. The gospel proliferates in China. The gospel proliferates in North Korea. The gospel proliferates in the Middle East and other nations. And these people face heavy persecution for it. So we don't preach it for cultural transformation. We may or may not see cultural transformation. But what we should be saying is, while we have a voice in this nation, we are not yet under mass persecution. We are facing various forms of persecution. We've talked about this before. But we are not yet under mass persecution, as may happen in other nations. While we have this voice and we have this time, we have the ability to impact a representative form of government by advancing the truth of the gospel, then we should be doing so and should be praying that the Lord not only saves souls, but he uses that as an opportunity to reverse the course of a sinful people. So hopefully that's what this episode is encouraging you guys to do. Give consideration to be, being very cautious about linking arms and being unequally yoked with a system that does not want to hear from you but sure wants your votes. And if you have to compromise what you believe, you have to compromise the word of God in order to do so, then is it worth it? And my answer would be no. So, what is, what are you saying, Chris, who should I vote for then? You know, do, do I just throw my vote away? Do I just not vote? I say to, to you what I say to everyone else. Vote according to your God-informed conscience. Read the word of God, Apply it in your life, including how you vote, your level of political involvement, whatever activism it is you're going to be involved in, and it should that should be what leads you everywhere. If you you know if, if if you can do it without compromising the word, and you can vote for a particular candidate, then do so. But if you look at this, and let's just say using the Donald Trump ad as an example, you go that's blasphemous. Unless he repents of that, I'm not gonna, I can't vote for him. It, it violates my conscience, then don't. That's going to get me in trouble with some people, but I would rather see you doing all that you can to honor God than feeling compromised in your conscience to vote for someone else because, well, we got to win. So that's what I hope is you guys take away from this, is the word of God triumphs over all things. That's That's our fundamental belief system is the word of God. It governs everything we say and do. And it can't, we cannot compromise it to maintain associations with a people who are just consumed with political victory. If, however, we are finding ourselves involved in this election process and we have a common direction and you can find people along the way or policies or laws that you want to vote for that align with the word of God, then, hey, it's okay. It's not the same as being just... Linked arm, linked arm and arm and, you know, clenched fist and we're not going to let go because, and I'm never going to, I'm never going to critique or criticize or rebuke. That would be unequally yoked. We may be moving in the same direction. We may be voting for the same issues, but we have wildly different reasons. And so those, those are my encouragements to you, but we need to hold our own side accountable because honoring God is far more important than political victory. So hopefully this has been helpful, and it looks like this time I actually got through the recording with it recording and uh, not having to stop, restart, and redo everything. So, excuse me. I thank you all for spending time with us today. I hope this is a good start to the year. It's going to be a wild ride, so buckle up. grab Grab the Word of God. Study yourselves to show yourselves approved. As my brother Rich would always say, find someone to share the gospel with every day, and whatever you do from this day forward for the rest of this year, do it for the glory of God. Thank you guys. God bless you. And we will see you next time.